In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The reading today is from Matthew sixteen thirteen. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean to be bound? Uh, I have some commentary about that if you'd like to hear that. I, I love to hear because, you know, to me, you know, what are you finding here and what are you... Your possessions. Yeah, exactly. There's there's nothing you can take with you. Just let them all go. Here's what, here's Give nothing. it to the poor, don't follow me. Here, here's a footnote about uh, the binding and loosing part. It says, this is familiar language in early Jewish literature. The metaphor carries several connotations. One, it signifies teaching authority and the ability to render binding decisions. Rabbis were said to make binding interpretation of the law. Two, it denotes authority to include or exclude members of a religious community. Three, it signals the forgiveness of sins. The verb loose is used this way in book of Revelations and by the early church fathers. Peter is thus invested with Christ's authority as the kingdom's chief teacher and administrator. Through him, heaven governs the church on earth. That's, uh, this is from a footnote in a Ignatius study Bible about that. But uh, this specific passage, you know, uh, is frequently people call up Catholic answers and have questions about it because it's like, you know, uh, papal authority <laughs> basically being given to Peter. And so, yeah, there's lots of commentary on on this. There's another commentary about that part. Um, let's see here. Okay, uh, Peter will receive the authority to rule church in Christ's name. This authority is symbolized by the keys and the binding and loosing. The former, 
binding refers to authority held in ancient Israel by the king's master of the palace. Uh, the latter, loosing, refers to the authority of the Jewish synagogue leader to expel and reinstate people from the synagogue community in order to preserve the community's religious and moral integrity. This authority has remained intact through the 20 centuries of Pope's successors, St. Peter as vicars of Christ on earth. I, mean, yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah, so I guess uh, there's, there's a couple of cross-references to Old Testament passages, and I think the first reading tomorrow is in reference to one of these Old Testament passages of uh, uh, you know, that, that type of authority. Let's see if I can find something. I, I read another interesting thing, but before I go into these commentaries and stuff, does anyone have other uh, you know, thoughts about this? Or? I thought it this um, outlining the sacrament of confession. Yeah, the uh, binding and loosing on the forgiveness of sins. Right. That was my interpretation. That's from a spiritual sense. From an Old Testament sense, about possessions, you said, you know, I work with the Nasidim from New York, and you, I, I participated with the actual documents that they signed, that they sign things, and it happens every Passover, that you are obligated to make sure all their possessions and <clears throat> positions are like liquidated. And all the possessions go to the family. So, like with this Abraham Silverstein, I have to get his signature and Joe Robinson's signature. And when something happens, all the possessions pass on to to his family. That's the way this, and they take that from that Old Testament about about possessions because when you pass on, you don't take anything with you. They, they actually have documents that they sign off on for them. I, I never knew that. That's part of their Old Testament teaching from that. One thing uh, that's also related to the Old Testament from here is so, uh, it's like the explanation of why Jesus gave Peter the name Peter. Uh, um, the and uh, kind of relating to the Old Testament was like other people like Abraham uh, had his name kind of like changed to Abraham and, and um, uh, Jacob had his name changed to uh, Israel um, and now Peter has his name or Simon has his name changed to Peter so it's kind of like also like a one of those like significant name changes. Signing his name. Saul. Okay. Well, what was his name? Paul. Paul. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right. Also, in the a lot of the artwork, you see Peter with the keys, and I guess Paul with. Uh, what does Paul usually have? Just like a book or something? Yeah. yeah. When you see pictures of him. Yeah. yeah. Is it? And Paul was older, wasn't he? We think. Is, is any, is it just, I don't know. Is it possible? I'm 
mom's generation said they thought Paul hated women. You ever heard that? No. What, what did they think that? They had to cover their hair. Uh, Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. To their husbands. Okay. Well, I, I heard the whole explanation about the covering of the hair thing. It was, it was kind of like they thought like hair was like genitals. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. Yeah. Uh, and, and two, you never heard much emphasis on spouses or girlfriends or whatever of the apostles. They were focused on the ministry sounded like the women were primarily in a, in a support role. And you see that on the chosen when you watch that. that, that, that that's what it appeared to be. Because I, I, was, I was curious to know if those apostles, they, they were, they were married, and, and, you know, many of them were married. Right. And, uh, and they got married young. They got married in their teens. Sure. Because the life expectancy wasn't that long back then. Yeah. And I know I've gotten wedding invitations that like from Abraham, because he has like 10 children, and when they were marrying them off, they send the invitations, and it's like, please come. They still consider them children, because they get married as teenagers. And they, um, you know, they, they, they marry them off. Mary was probably 16, 17, when she gave birth to Mary, of oh, Jesus. Younger. I heard she's younger than that. 14. Younger than 16? Oh, yeah. Right. So, um, did the Jews believe in reincarnation or something? I don't think so. Well, why would they think that, why would some of them say he was uh, Elijah or Jeremiah well, or one of the prophets? Uh, uh, they didn't say that that's who Jesus was. They said that they thought that's who the Messiah was. And so, like, Elijah was prophesied to come back, you know, he's kind of... Oh, I see. I misunderstood. All right, so who do people say that the Son of Man is? Some say John the Baptist was the son of man. Okay, others Elijah. Okay, I see what you mean. Okay, that's right. Oh, so some actually thought that Elijah and Jeremiah were the, were the Christ, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, do you want me to read some more commentary stuff on this? Or, or, I don't know, I, 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 one of the things I read said that you know, there was like kind of a rumor that John the Baptist was with Messiah, and, that, and, that's, and that's why he was kind of like saying, you know, a bunch of times John the Baptist was like, I'm not worthy to carry the sandal of the one who's coming after me and stuff, because people were like, oh, this guy might might be the Messiah. He's like, nope, it's not me. Just, oh, I see, yeah. yeah. He did say that, yeah. My uh, dentist, who's a, a lady from Iraq, longest <clears throat> something Baptist, they followed the work of John the Baptist. It's not Chaldean. Series from Church the Nativity Nails on John the Baptist. Okay. I think this week is the fifth week of five weeks. It's very interesting. She said we've not seen that guy. The question's really bothering me. He sets up the groundwork with the Jews and Jesus, Abraham, our father in faith, Elijah, Moses, and then he sends his son, Jesus. Did he expect all the Jews? like convert to Christianity because you know that that was a tall order you know you, 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 God founded everything for 
thousands of years, and then now he sends Christ, and you know he's he's establishing his church and stuff. But what was actually expected? What what did they expect? Because you know today you know you have very faithful people in you know whatever religion they align themselves with, with a belief in God, in Jesus as being the Messiah, but others. Say he's a prophet or whatever, they honor him and stuff like that. So I, I, I could never I can never rationalize what God what what actually he wanted. I think is uh, uh, I'm gonna read the second reading for you because it, it, it kind of touches on the, on that. Um, second reading tomorrow is from St. Paul and it says Oh the depths and riches oh, oh the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God how inscrutable are his judgments how unsearchable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor who has given the Lord anything that he may be repaid for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be glory forever amen so I just bring that up because it's like you, you don't, you know, no one can like fully understand the, the mind of God and stuff. But I would have to take him, uh, like I think, you know, he sent Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, you know, and he wants everyone to repent and believe in the gospel. So, like, how people do that, you know, it, it's is it. I look at it as it doesn't matter what people's outward appearances are. It's their in, it's their internal, you know, relationship with God. Only God knows his relationship with everyone in the world. And, and, and so, like, if people don't uh, outwardly confess uh, their faith in Jesus, uh, I, like, you know, I, as long as, like, there's a, like, inwardly, there's a chance that they're repenting and, and turning back to God, I, I feel like that's mission accomplished. Yeah, Mark, I think in the beginning, I think Christ preached to his people, the Israelites. I think he did. Then he went out to the other, the Gentiles and whoever else. But even like today versus when Christ was preaching to his people, um, some people are going to believe in him and follow him, and some people are not. So I'm guessing people who follow Jewish faith today are in the same line as the people of Christ's day when they chose to not believe he was the Messiah. Or maybe they... That's what I'm thinking. Well, maybe they, they did believe he was the Messiah, but yet they wanted to stick to their Jewish heritage. Which is okay, that's fine. I, but if someone actually <laughs> did believe he was the Messiah and didn't follow him, that's kind of like a hardness of heart. That <laughs> it's kind of weird, yeah. 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 <laughs> but that's, Absolutely. Oh, they would be... Jesus said in other places in the Bible, they would be <clears throat> better off if they didn't know him. Yeah. <laughs> what he said. He says, uh, if you know me and you turn your back on me, yeah. you're worse off than the one who never knew me. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, that's, I feel bad for that. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting that I was reading about was, um, uh, you know, the son of man, you know, Jesus is also referred to as the you know, son of David. And, mm -hmm. um, and and David's son Solomon built the you know the temple 
for for God to dwell in, and uh, and so then you know Jesus, uh, you know his son of David thing, and then he says, oh Peter, on you I will build you know build my church. It's like you know the building of the the new kind of temple, and like elsewhere, kind of referred to it as like you know uh, not uh, temple not not made of human hands. It's just as like. And also, I know, like Saint Paul talks about how, like, you know, we we are kind of like the bricks in the temple. Uh, um, so I think that's an interesting kind of like um, connection there of uh, uh, the church being the the temple of God. Yeah, something I thought about when I read it this morning is, it seems like all of us here are followers of Christ, but when I read the gospel, I said for the first time ever, I said. Why don't I take my name and stick it in place of Peter's in the gospel? And so that puts on a different perspective. Instead of becoming a instead of being a follower all the time, I could be like a Peter in terms of leading people to Christ and teaching them about Christ. I thought that was an interesting way of um, not a spin on the gospel, but I think that's what we need to do instead of just being followers, taking it all in. Like for example, we go to Mass. When you leave the church after Mass, then do something about it. Be an evangelizer. Be a disciple. Be a person like here. We're in small groups talking about our faith and how we can live out our faith, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we have to become, I think, just like Peter. Maybe not as big as his position. The first person that Christ said, let's do this. But we're kind of on a smaller scale, I think. But we have to be like Peter. Spread the word. <laughs> That never really seemed to get passed on through the ages, like the miracles they could perform and the things they could do. It, it has been passed on. You see it every week. You know, yeah. you go to, you know, they, they, the power of the sacraments. Yes. Um, yeah. And then there are, actually are like other types of miracles going on. You know. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, true. but <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. Uh, why why do you think that that's not happening? Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, it was incredible to see Jesus or the apostles or whatever actually cure the crippled and the blind and, and actually do that. And you really, you know, maybe you hear about it and stuff, you, you, you know, but, uh, I mean, it, you know, it, that was very profound. I mean, think about, there are different doctors where they're Christian like we are. And I'm guessing they feel the Holy Spirit's working through them to help somebody with, I don't know, it could be battling cancer. It could be trying to get them have sight for the first time ever, or whatever it might be. Oh, well, yeah. You see these doctors, they go overseas removing cataracts. Because cataracts is like, people could actually see. Yeah, there's a prime example. I think it's called Mercy Ship, or Mercy Ships. Um... If you want to be a volunteer, it's it's a it's a big commitment, but um, they basically take in people who just can't afford different types of surgeries. As a volunteer, you'll be one who preps the people, talks to them, and then after surgery, um, I think it's called mercy ship. I think. Yeah, it was, it it's was, a pretty cool Christian. Um, it's 
It was so impressive of those doctors to go overseas and perform thousands of, of uh, moving cataracts for all those people. Yeah. They're just lined up. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, Mark, sometimes I get the sense it's like, you know, I guess you, you like, I know you got real heavy, heavy crosses with your uh, medical problems and stuff, but, you know, God is holding you in the palm of his hand, he's got you there, you know, and so it's like, sometimes you may not feel like it, but, but, uh, you know, uh, he's taking care of you, and, you know, uh, and he will, you know, continue to do so. That's, 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 yeah, that's the only thing that, suicide lines, because I know today you can dial 988, or you can text 741741. And I always have those numbers available, because I come across people, and everybody has their phones, and they always want to get So that's some numbers, the text number, the dial number, I always have available. Come to the healing mass. The healing mass coming in. When is that? 922. Father Walsh is going to be there. Go to speaker. Father Walsh. Father Chris Walsh. You know, he's impressive. Yeah, I, I, I have a really cool article from probably 15 years ago, which is talking about my stuff at home, and it's a short article, but it's basically about if you were on trial, would you be convicted of being a Christian? Oh, think about it. Would you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a, that's the whole article. Would you be convicted of being a Christian if you were on trial? Yeah. I'll never forget that article. It's, well, it's, I'll see you there. Maybe. Friday night. 20, nine, what nine, 22. 9 22, Friday night. 7 o'clock? Friday night. I will be there. And it's a healing mass and something afterwards? Or? We should all Healing's at the end. Father will speak at the beginning. He's, re, he's a really good speaker. He's good. I've known for a couple of times. Yeah. Where's he from? St. <laughs> Cecilia or something? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. It's funny too. More funny guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, I will. I will. I will make arrangements yeah. to be there on September the twenty second. We had one in April. I think was the previous one. Same guy. Father Walsh. Because I think, I think they they still have the adoration there, but they discontinued that twenty four seven with the pandemic. Oh, downstairs. And Brownholes, I, I, Brownholes was a very accommodating. He's a good guy. Very, very nice guy. The previous, who was that previous guy? Not Shoemaker. Yeah, that guy. That's why we're off. Yeah, don't go up on Shoemaker. That's why we're starting with some other guy, right? We'll stay away. It's a little bit of a Let's get back to the guy. Yeah, we're going to have some, we don't want to go yes. to Ephesians 4.31. All right, so here's some, some commentary. It says, the Lord announces his plan to build a church, a community of believers that will overthrow the rule of evil, which has dominated the world since the fall of Adam and Eve. The city of Caesarea Philippi was constructed on the top of a huge hill, one side of which was a bare rock cliff gave the town an appearance of invincibility and magnificence. Here Jesus explains that his church will be invincible, because it, will, because it too will be founded on rock, the rock of Peter, whose special role is guaranteed by my Heavenly Father, 
Peter will receive authority to rule that church in Christ's name. This authority is symbolized by the keys and the binding and loosing. The former refers to authority held in ancient Israel by the king master of the palace. It's referenced in Isaiah chapter 22. And the latter refers to the authority of the Jewish synagogue leader to expel and reinstate people from the synagogue community in order to preserve the community's religious and moral integrity. This authority has remained intact through 20 centuries of popes, the successors of St. Peter as vicars of Christ on earth, giving the, giving the Catholic Church unity of faith, worship, and governance, in spite of its members' many failings. Christ had the authority. He demonstrated it over and over again. He gave it to Peter. He didn't have to, but he wanted to spread his kingdom through a church that was both human and divine, just as he wanted to redeem us through two natures human and divine of the Incarnation. We may find God's strategy hard to understand, which Mark referenced earlier. Why didn't Christ himself just stick around after his resurrection to rule the church? But we cannot deny it. Critics twist this passage into nonsensical knots by pointing out that the Greek word for rock, Peter, is of the feminine gender. They conclude, therefore, that Christ wasn't really applying the term to Simon, uh, even though he changed it into a masculine form when he made it into a name, but only to Simon's fate. Or else they claim that Christ said these words while pointing to himself. These are such objections make a complicated text make complicated text that is actually quite simple. They also ignore the many other passages in the New Testament that illustrate Peter's primacy among the Twelve. For example, Christ originally named him Peter in chapter 1 of John's Gospel when he first met him. And renaming people in the Bible is much more than handing out nicknames. It signifies receiving a new role in salvation history. During the Last Supper, Christ prayed in a special way for Peter and gave him a special commission to confirm your brethren in the faith. Christ gave him a unique commission after his resurrection. Peter's name always appears first on the list of the twelve apostles. There is one Lord, Jesus Christ, and he founded one church to wage his definitive war against sin and evil. That church's keys are in Peter's hands. You said that about Peter being mentioned first. One of the Gospels lists them. Peter is mentioned first in one of the Gospels. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. There's something else came to mind when you were reading that is, I think what would help, like, devout Catholics, maybe Catholics who have fallen away, even people who are not Catholic, is is doing the Bible in a Year podcast. I think this is year three of it. I think it is. Father Mike Schmitz uh, does it. He's a Catholic priest. Because you learn a lot about what's in the Old Testament, and that's pretty much where our Mass comes from. And I, I don't think people understand that, like why you do this, why you do that at a Catholic Mass. And another thing is, just the other day I was listening to, um, actually I have a few CDs still around, and I couldn't find a CD player anywhere, but I have one in my car. <laughs> so yeah. I went down the driveway and yeah. listened to a Matthew, uh, several Matthew Kelly CDs for different reasons. And the one, I'll have to send it to you guys, it's, it's hilarious. It's about the mass. 
what people think about the mass um, in terms of the fact that it's boring. That's the biggest thing you get from well, the mass is boring. And then he goes, he has this skit for seven, eight minutes about it, it, it's so funny, like why people think the mass is boring. <laughs> Whether it be the preacher who is just out of the seminary and what can this guy teach me, let him live life more and then come back and preach to me, or what's up with the kneelers, <laughs> or what's up with the people in the choir, you know, can we get some people who can actually sing, but um, it's very funny if you've never heard of it before. You guys know Matthew Kelly? Yeah, of course. Dynamic Catholic. Yeah, he was at, actually at St. John's in 2015, eight years ago, eight years ago. He, he spoke at our church. Yeah. 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 Well, Tom, I saw you sent that um, email about the uh, yeah. Kelly books. I think I'm going to do it personally. Okay. Whether I mean, anybody I'll, says I'll, yes or no. I uh, thing is, I I'd like to read the book before before sure. you know, distributing and stuff. Is the book out already or? Yeah. I don't think so. It's um what Keith is. I keep forgetting if you're are you in the men's group email list? I yeah, I am. Yeah, I got it. Oh, okay. All right. It's um. Well, what they did. I guess about 10 years ago, people within Dynamic Catholic came to Matthew Kelly and said, listen, we have to do things different in terms of reaching people. And they said to him, well, he said, well, how do you want to do it? And he said, the best time to get people who are Catholic is, is Christmas Day. Because a really large percentage go, and that's the only time those people go to Mass the entire year. So that's how the whole program started. Uh, for the past about 10 years, I'm just guessing 10 years, um, they have a book from Dynamic Catholic that they would like you to purchase for a dollar a piece. Because they have so many investors who donate money to them, that's why you can buy them for a dollar. And then uh, you can give them out um, to the parishioners of church. Um, I did a quick printout. It's called, I only just learned about it, it's called Beautiful Eucharist. I, I, that's I, the name of it. Yeah, I know. Um... And I have a copy over here. Is Bishop Robert Barron also came out with a book um, in my, um, you know, it's really that Eucharistic revival. And, um, Which is supposed to be going on now, right? Yeah. 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 I, I haven't read this book yet, but my What's my it called book, again? Uh, this, this is called, my Bible. Uh, yeah, this is my Bible. Okay. But um, my, I think um, Word on Fire is doing something similar, and so my boss got a bunch nice. of books, and he gave me one that I haven't gotten a chance See, to that's great, though. Yeah. Your boss did that. But I, um, I, I thought about um, giving out, uh, like, I feel like it would be good for, for Christmas to uh, give people, you know, like, a, a, a copy of a, of a gospel or a copy of the New Testament, because there's another thing about people who come to the Mass on Christmas and don't come the rest of the year is, I don't know how much of the gospel they actually know, you know, and so it's like, uh, um, one of those, like, one of these books uh, that's kind of like for, like, I, I feel like, uh, like that book by Bishop Robert Barron, or, and possibly this other book, it might be a little too much for someone who you know hasn't you know comes to mass twice a year or something like that. I feel like they need like you need to be kind of like strategic in in how to like bring them you know more fully into the faith. Mm -hmm. That that's a whole game plan in itself for the Catholic Church. I mean that has to be done. What you just said. Yeah. Like like he's he's publicizing that seventy. I don't know where he gets his data. He says seventy percent of Catholics don't believe in the true presence, and then look how many people actually go to Catholic masses. It's it's at least over here. It's our church. It's under twenty percent people in the books versus people going in person. I'm sure there's a few people online, but 
funny. I, uh, you were talking about people saying that the mass is boring, and uh, like I, uh, ever since I, you know, came back to the church, I, I, I don't find the mass boring at all. But uh, a couple times I've talked to my sister, like uh, uh, my sister uh, Devin, uh, and and or either of my sisters. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, I went to the went to the mass like on a weekday, and they're like, why'd you go to mass on a weekday? I play and. and It's a gift. It's a gift to have, like, no other churches do it, I don't think, do they? Uh, a service so. on a weekday? Okay, yeah. I mean, almost it's every amazing. every Catholic church does. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, church being boring. I've never seen an interview with Mick Jagger. It's like in the mid 60s. The interviewer was asking Mick, um, are any of you religious? He says, no, none of, none of the band members are religious, but we often talk about God. Really? Yeah, and he goes, he goes, why is it you go to church in England, and it's a very solemn affair, <laughs> like the Catholic Mass, right? He says, you go to church in the South, meaning the South part of this it's country, true. it's glory, hallelujah, and I've experienced that, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting point he brought up. Yeah, the um the church that my daughter Sarah goes to with her husband, and they're they're devout in terms of they're they, you have to go. Um, I think it's called Gospel Light, and um they do they focus on the gospel, the gospels. Be, there you go, they do. They they focus on the God. I don't know what else they focus. Now the thing is, it's interesting because I was there about a month ago, and we went. We always go with them there, and he was spoke. They were going through several chapters at a time at each service each Sunday on Genesis, which I thought was interesting. I never asked Sarah about that, but that was interesting. It's different, but they're getting scripture. They're going. Mm -hmm. It's it's very different, though, because they'll have several contemporary Christian songs, and then they'll have announcements by different people, and then the preacher is up there for, like, close to a half hour, and that's the whole service. It's it's very different. She's getting Christ over there. Every Sunday, which is good. Yeah. The concert was good last week. Oh yeah, yeah, see that text. Nice. Yeah. Where'd you go at? Uh, what is that? Presbyterian? Yeah, they're Presbyterian, Woodside Presbyterian Church. Yeah, Dave Pedigree. Is that right up on top of the hill? No. On Ed's right in the Catwood I was actually um Doug, Pastor Doug is still there. I would say about ten years ago. He was at the concert, yeah. I assume he would go. And his um, wife and the kids, I think. But they do small groups, and about ten years ago, I guess, um, he led a few Bible studies that I participated in, and we actually met. The way they do it is, I think it's genius. Um, they don't. Most of them don't meet in the privacy of their homes. They, like, we met in the upper level of McCaffrey's up in that shopping center so that other people can see what we're doing and hear what we're doing while they're eating dinner or that's the way he did, he does it. I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Okay. So people can see and hear what you're doing. Um, yeah, I did a few Bible studies with him. Like, I did, um, that's how I got into mission trips. 2010, Christina, my oldest, and I get married in a few weeks. Um, she said, Dad, you want to do a mission trip? Like yeah, <laughs> I've never done one. Yeah. My kids asked me to go to some other country, the Bahamas, and so we did. Um, we did six of those together. 
like each different summers. And that's how I got to know people at Woodside. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Bishop Barron, did they move him? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, they did. maybe like a year ago. Yeah. Minnesota? Yeah. Minnesota? Yeah. yeah. I think he's the Bishop of Rochester. He's too Catholic for uh, Yeah, why did they move? Was that, uh, I didn't like that's the Pope. Oh, I'm just wondering why he moved them. Yeah. I never found out why. Or he kicked them out. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. he was from Chicago, right? Yeah. I think I saw him at a pro life rally in DC. And I was like 10 feet from him. I should have went up to him. I'm pretty sure it was him. I, I listen to the podcast every week. He just stand there by himself. the symbolism of the name. Simon is himself the rock upon which Jesus builds the church. Further New Testament evidence suggests that Jesus' words to Peter were originally spoken in Aramaic. In this language, the word kepha is the equivalent of Peter and denotes a sizable rock, one suitable as a building foundation. This Aramaic name is preserved as Cephas nine times in the New Testament. At another level, Simon's name change recalls the Old Testament episodes where God renamed Abram as Abraham and Jacob as Israel. Peter now stands in this biblical tradition where new names signify new God-given roles in salvation history. In Peter's case, Jesus designates him the foundation stone of the New Covenant Church. Just as the temples of the Old Testament were built upon a great stone, so Jesus builds his New Testament church um, on the foundational rock of Peter. What does the name Simon mean? Does anybody know? Because yeah, that every name has a meaning. I'm just wondering what the meaning of that is versus going to Peter. Mm-hmm. Well, Simon was his Jewish name. Right. So what does it mean? Yeah, I used to have a, um, I used to have a, I gave it to my niece, a New Testament translation that had uh, a, re- a reference in the back that said what every name had, oh, right. even like the, you know, Israel, the, the Hebrew names and stuff. So you can give her a call and ask her to look it up. Then there's other stuff in here, it says, um, Jesus portrays the church as a spiritual temple. As Solomon was the son of David and the anointed temple builder in the Old Testament, so Jesus is the Davidic son of God, the anointed Messiah who builds the church in the new. Jesus elsewhere sees himself as both similar and superior to King Solomon. Among the Gospels, Matthew alone uses the word church. The word is often used in the Greek Old Testament for congregation or assembly of Israel united to God. Jesus uses it in a similar way for the New Covenant community. 
there's quite a bit of other commentary here about the binding and loosing. Um, okay, I'll, about the keys, it says, keys are a symbol of teaching authority. Jesus consecrates Peter as the church's chief teacher, whose office will continue on through successors. Plural use of keys may imply a connection with the gates and mean that Peter's position includes, among other things, the authority to release the righteous souls who are detained in Hades but destined for heaven. In the Old Testament Davidic Empire, the king appointed a cabinet of ministers for specific tasks in the kingdom. Of these, a prime minister was elevated to unique status of authority, ranking second only to the king. The government structure was common among kingdoms in the ancient Near East. Jesus here evokes Isaiah chapter 22, where the prime minister's office is handed on to a successor by the symbolic act of handing on the keys of the house. In Matthew, Jesus is the new Davidic king who appoints Peter, the prime minister, over the kingdom of heaven in the church. As in Isaiah chapter 22, Peter's position is designed for him and his successors. The office is meant to endure as long as the kingdom itself. Entrusted with keys, Peter wields Christ's own authority. It goes on about the forgiveness of sins and things like that. So, what do we do when we leave here today? individually, in groups, with family, with friends. Can we be Peter? Just some food for thought. How can we be Peter in terms of leading people to Christ, bringing them closer to Christ? I'm sorry, Mark, I hear about to say something. Listen. That, that's what I find. I come across people all the time. They just want somebody to listen to them. So I'll stay there and listen. And, and that's, you know, and, and try to be encouraging. Because I, I have to catch myself, you know, because you don't want to start spewing your situations or whatever. It just, you know, it, it's a lot. But it, I find whenever I come across somebody, they just want to talk. And they just want somebody to listen. So it's like, fine, we'll sit here, we'll have a cup of coffee or, or we'll have a, whatever, whatever you want to do and just listen. And, and then they have... You know, and, and, and if you could help them out, or you could make a suggestion or something, never you know tell them what to do or anything, but just okay, brother, sister, whoever. Um, you know, because um, again, it's getting back to Ephesians four thirty one. Tom, I know you know you had your situation with your meeting over there at St. John's and things, and uh, these things happen. And they happen all the time, all too often. People are always looking for a release. They're always that's why they that's why they go on vacation and that's why they go up to see the Broadway show Funny Girl. Yeah. Where are you? They're looking for a release. Is it your is it your right leg that's bothering you, Robert? <coughs> Excuse me. I, I can see that. I just I don't want to tell you, but if you sit up back in your chair and push back, <laughs> that'll relieve a lot of your slouch in your Yeah, yeah, the, sl the, sl the slouch puts a tremendous amount of pressure. That's very, I, I don't mean to be, 
you know, but that's very good, Robert. Thank you, sister. It's, it's just it takes it, it just takes somebody from experience. If you could sit up, they've taught me to sit up in the chair and then push that's back true. for support. It helps. Helps your spine. You don't want to get degenerative. So that's what. So what are you guys doing? What's what's going to happen? Well, it's right if we end the recording here. We'll, we'll oh, we're still out. being recorded. Oh, the podcast. Jesus and the guys. All right, thanks for listening.